Hi, it's Even More here, back with another track in my write a new song a week for a year song challenge. I'm a songwriter now, I could call myself that officially. I'm a spiritual coach and I'm a writer and you can find out more about me at youdeserveolifeyoulove.com about the other things I get up to when I'm not doing this challenge. So we are on track number 13. Well, is it a lucky number? I don't know, but it has heralded a change for sure. Because this week, I wasn't planning on writing a piece of music for a soundtrack. I guess that's something you keep hearing me say. I wasn't planning on, because... None of the tracks have been what I've been planning on writing. I had no plan. But this one came. And somewhere along the line, it decided it wanted to be an instrumental and a soundtrack. That certainly wasn't my intention. Because I like to write lyrics. I like to sing. But in hindsight, I think it's a really nice, important shift. That nothing is off limits. And that all genres are part of this challenge and for my musical and professional and creative development and emotional well-being, it's always great to be open to new ideas. And the title of the track is What's True? So the track was inspired by a series of events that caused me to really begin to look at What is true? There are so many belief systems out there about what we are here for, what we're here to do, what God is, is there a God, is science all there is, are conspiracy theories real, Uh, is Trump really the saviour of humanity? (laughs) Probs not on that one, I think we can rule that one as not true. And also, I read a book this week, well, last week, called Collision with the Infinite. And it's a story of a woman, I believe her name is Suzanne Sagal. And she had a dramatic awakening. Well, she calls it a dramatic awakening. And it was a dramatic awakening. That is when you automatically become aware of who you are without your personhood where you understand you're not the me, very much like what Eckhart Tolle experienced when he had his revelation of there's two people talking. There's the me and there's the I and which one am I? And he got plummeted into this tunnel, metaphorically speaking, and awoke enlightened the next day apparently and spent the next year or two sitting on a bench integrating and then went on to become a best-selling author. Well, Suzanne Sagal used to be a member of the Transcendental Movement and was a TM practitioner and teacher and fully embodied all of that, which is why I said it wasn't really that different because according to her in the book, the person who created the TM movement said that after eight or nine years of following the practices, you will experience enlightenment. 
So she'd gone through this experience with TM, was all in and for many years, and then she became very disillusioned with the movement, the organization, because of its corrupt practices, its controlling organizers and teachers. And she thought, well, they're not demonstrating what I would call enlightenment. They seem petty and controlling. So does the organization. So she walked away from that. Anyway, make it quicker. It's a very long story. (laughs) And stopped meditating for eight years. And then one day, standing at a bus stop, she had the experience of stepping outside of her body. You know, she was at the bus stop and then she was watching herself at the bus stop. But the person that was watching her wasn't a person. It was consciousness, pure consciousness. What in non-duality circles they call the witness. Or in Buddhism, they call the witness. And so she was watching herself and had no idea what had happened. And she experienced this as trauma. So there was the person who couldn't quite grasp. And she was saying that the person, the one that was called Suzanne, couldn't understand what had happened. And there was this consciousness that was witching the person freak out, but apparently at normal on the outside. So she experienced this scary experience full of fear. The the mind and the body of Suzanne was full of fear for a good eight, nine years. And she finally met somebody who explained to her that she had experienced what many seekers have spent their whole lives trying to attain. And she began to integrate that experience, let allow the personhood to understand that what it was experiencing was something it would never understand. And so she became more peaceful and began to experience the bliss of enlightenment. And she experienced that, became a teacher, inspired other people, such profound ways of exploring and sharing what the infinite is and what consciousness is and what reality is and people heralded her and hailed her as one of the best teachers they had ever been around spiritual teachers and then a couple of years into her enlightenment bliss experience she had another experience where she started to lose this feeling of awareness and enlightenment and discover she had a brain tumor And in that brain tumour, she had memories coming back of being abused as a child, seriously abused. She doesn't go into what the abuse was. And she was having all these flashbacks and memories and trauma. And prior to her breakthrough, she went to nine or ten different psychotherapists, trained as a psychotherapist herself, and found it to be a completely useless phenomena in terms of explaining what she had experienced. And one of the psychotherapists in particular said to her, I think you've got dissociative disorder, which is what happens when people go through extreme trauma or abuse and they disassociate from reality. And it's not necessarily enlightenment. You, the person, have just disassociated. And the whole book is about her proving to us that this dissociative disorder diagnosis was nonsense because she was an enlightened being. And in the end of her life, she came to the conclusion that, yes, it was disassociative in her experience because she had had fragments of her childhood and her personality self that had experienced a trauma that she wasn't allowing herself to feel and process. 
And so she died from the brain tumour in the midst of this coming to terms with her childhood abuse and not feeling connected and not feeling enlightened at all. So for me, it was like, oh, what is true? And of course, that's a very specific spiritual experience. But can any of us really know what is true? Isn't everything up for discussion and debate? How do we know that the things we think are true are really true? Even science that we hold up and herald now as the the measure of what rigorous understanding and repeatable evidence can prove has been shown to be very changeable depending on what new information they have access to. So currently they believe certain things about the universe, about life. Quantum physics has come along and broadened that understanding to increase the possibility that what scientists are studying in terms of the Big Bang and the universe and enlightenment are pretty much the same thing. That the universe is consciousness itself and it needs it and requires an observer and it will change its form based on your attention and the awareness of the person who is conducting the experiment. So all these things are coming together. So even science itself has to keep evolving, even when it's been absolute in what it's proven to be true. So can we even trust science? Are we only discovering things through science based on what scientists are willing to look at? Because most scientists aren't even willing to look at consciousness. So all these things came up and I started to look at many sort of grounding things, normal, everyday things that we consider true and real. Now, what is true? Is Nothing's true. You don't know what's true. We don't know what happens when we die. We don't know what this life is for. And in a way, that can be kind of depressing. And in a way, it's very freeing. If we don't know what's true, and we don't know what anything is for, and we don't know if climate change is just a natural evolution of the planet, and that's what it does to purge itself of toxins. And as humans, we're toxins. So it's purging itself of us. And maybe it's a great experience. We just don't like it because we might end up extinct. And the planet will go on as it does. And we won't be on it. And it will be healthy again. You know, could be natural evolution. What do we know? So this track obviously couldn't express all of that. (laughs) But it's the first time I've gone instrumental. I did try to make uh, lyrics and sing them. But three separate microphones wouldn't record properly. Every time I tried to add the vocal tracks to the song itself, it was muffled and distorted and nothing I did using the same techniques I've been using would allow me to create the vocal. And I finally surrendered. As it said in my song last week, you've got to surrender. I finally decided to surrender and say, well, there are no vocals. You'll clearly want to be a soundtrack. Who am I to get in your way? You do you, boo. So what you're hearing is that. So I hope you enjoy the track. Tune in next week for track 14. I have no idea what it will be. Visit me at youdeservealifeyoulove.com to find out more about me and what I do and what I offer. And really, it's lovely that you're here with me on this journey. And I appreciate you all. But let's think about what's really true as we listen to this week's track. Bye for now. Thank you.